Hello and welcome back to 709 Meridian. My name is Andrew. Again, again, again. And this is D. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, let, in full disclosure, uh, this is our second second recording. We're we're doing the. It's our first time having to re-record. So uh, cool. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Knock on wood. And so it's right. just happened to us. So we got caught. And next time we have something else to check for. Uh, so oh, tonight's, yeah. tonight's movie in the summer of duologies is FX 1986, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Robert Mandel, which I did not remember his name the, the first time through, but I've seen the credits. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we will we will be discussing its uh, not cult status, but it was a popular non no, it's it's kind of a cult movie it's kind of a cult movie now but let's get it started people aren't yeah people, people yeah, are uh, 30 years on is the problem yeah. like it had a great run as a non-cult mm-hmm. movie okay and here we go in three two one play all right leo the lion big leo um, once again, popular in our uh... yes, MGM has a lot of the videos. We got a watch. lot of we got a lot of MGM library films here. Yes, we do. Um, <clears throat> so Orion Pictures, uh, Orion went bankrupt in ninety one or two, and they were still burning stuff off as late as ninety four. But they had started in the late 70s. They distributed through Warner Brothers. But by the mid-80s, they had their own releases, of which FX was one. Starring Brian Brown, Brian Dennehy, (laughs) Diane Minora. Wow, she got third villain. Yep. Yep. Because... Because FX is a deceptive movie. It's a it's an elusive, uh, yeah, an elusive movie. Um, I love the the background. This whole the fade in. Yes, it is sequence is just pretty cool. And we've also got the great Brad Fidel score. Oh yeah! No, we don't. We have a Bill Conti score. Bill Conti, yeah, which. Am I thinking of True Believers, a Brad Fidel score set in New York? Okay. Um, but yeah, so we've got this gradual uh, fade in here. Melbourne production designer, Terry Rawlings, who did Aliens, maybe something. Terry Rawlings has done some good work. Photographers, I'd butcher their name, but they're quite good. And now here we go from effects to live action yes, very cute um Dodi Fayed of course uh produced yeah. this and then Robert Mandel you were talking before about how it's the back to the future font actually yeah that's what it looks like the um I guess you could say the uh Zemeckis font because he used it in um it's a good font yeah I like it, it he used it in um god Romancing the Stone. Okay. And Back to the Future. 
and yeah, a couple others, I think. So, um, 86 was a good year for New York movies that became cable and video hits because, um, yeah. and it I became just a prime one. location for yep. everything. Okay, up oh, fire, guy on fire. Whoa. <clears throat> of course, we've got the band. <laughs> so 86 was early for sort of special effects legitimizing. Yeah. It was... Although the big uh, special effects picture of that year, though, the fly. The fly, right? It was perfectly timed because the fly, aliens, they were both crossover movies. Aliens, the fly, yeah. So FX sort of hit the mainstream outside of something like a Indiana Jones or a Star Wars, outside of Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. This is when the effects were getting, you know, getting more prominent. You started to, you knew who the people were behind all of this stuff. And well, also, um, okay, so this has all been a movie set. Um, meaning that the shot of the taxi coming in was a a ruse. Uh, Brian yeah. Brown. We're we're doing the uh, the whole the whole you know sense of the movie here is deception and it's almost like murder by illusion. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> but in the late. I can't tell if she's really good or really terrible. That I chick. think she's really good. I think yeah. she's. Re- I think by the end she's going to prove that she's really good. If I remember <laughs> correctly, no, I mean like I think it's intentional, and I think she's actually really good. <laughs> but then here we have uh, Clifty Young, professional wiener Clifty Young, who I don't know yeah. if he's ever played a good guy. Probably on a TV movie. Yeah. Yeah, when he's the dad, when he's when he's dead, he's. But doesn't he come understanding back? Understanding father. So Robert Mandel directed this. He directed Touch and Go, which was eighty six two, I think. Yeah. And then he, the next time I ever saw his name was The Substitute in ninety six, and I think Cliff DeYoung plays the same part in The Substitute, oh, which the we suit. saw in the theater. Yeah, when we I saw was that fucking too. Working at the Evanston Theater. We got to see it for free, and yes. I've been meaning to watch it again since because I'm convinced it's like a remake of FX. But you know why I can't watch the substitute? <laughs> because it has sequels. <laughs> Damn it! Sequels that Treat star Williams. Treat Williams. Treat Williams, and it's like he's a friend of Tom Berenger, so they don't even do a recast. <laughs> But uh, so we got Di- Diane Venora, who um, 
She's probably most known now for Heat. Heat. But she was also yeah, in Wolfen and other things. But like, I don't remember. Like, I like Diane Venora, but I don't remember her from a lot. Yeah, she's always good when they put her in stuff. She's one of those, you know, she comes and goes. So we got some very nice New York location shooting here. Yeah, um, I like that shot. And in this one right here, it's yep. really nice. And yeah, so I mean, so New York location shooting sort of started to become a thing in the 70s, but it didn't super catch on for everything right you had low budget new york movies like larry cohen Uh but you didn't sort of have medium budget movies you didn't have like orion pictures type movies and that all sort of started changing in the 80s and i feel like romancing the stone shooting in new york for the finish kind of started that like it started that sort of 80s visual ghostbusters ghostbusters uh was also 84 um ghostbusters this highlander baby boom big yeah like all of these secret of my success right it's just anything that had to do with like yuppieism and business right and then office movies they shot nine and a half weeks shot new york like la like it was just this Mm. thing right it was like you expected it to be in new york instead of la now or someplace else we might have talked oh, yeah. before about how Jonathan like, Demi. Yep. And that, but before we were talking about how previous to this, you had different locations, like you had Detroit. Yeah, yeah, random. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the Rocky it's movies very were random. Hit, so you had Philadelphia. Yeah, it's not. It's a very different. Um, Is that not Flight Man from uh, Brazil? Could be. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Brazil, so I don't. No, me neither. <laughs> never, <laughs> never caught what the hell everybody was. No, nope. I've been meaning to get shit. fucked up and watch it again sometime, but it's hard to yeah. motivate myself. Twelve Monkeys is great, though. That mm. is legit. But no, Brazil, nah. not, not sold. Okay, so. Oh no! <laughs> this movie just took a crazy turn. Now that obviously fake monster looks like it could be like a Corman movie. And so now Corman had been doing schlock since the sixties. Corman or trauma. Right. Well, no trauma was the early eighties. Right. So, I mean, they were Mm -hmm. doing schlock after Corman had slowed down and just started doing. Yeah. I don't even know what like comedies summer rental or no, the one with Charles Grodin was a, Julie huh. Corman production. Like, I mean, Corman had the Spider-Man rights at this point. Corman was legit. Oh. Um, but we oh, see that's yeah, it's alive. That's definitely from a Corman film. No, Lit's Alive's Cohen. Cohen? Isn't okay, it? yeah, Cohen. It is, yeah, because Michael Moriarty. <laughs> Right. Uh, but you're getting crossover 
uh, you're starting to get the real crossover here. So FX just hits at the right time. Because, I mean, Ghostbusters too, right? Like, mm. 84, it, that was another big special yeah, effects big outside special effect. of Because they were talking Star about Wars. shit in that movie from Ghostbusters to Ghostbusters 2. They were, like, still covering all types of FX stuff. And so the setup at this point in the movie, 11 minutes in, is that the CIA wants to hire Brian Brown to do special effects on a secret assignment. Yeah. And he is hesitant. And as he should, because <laughs> Cliff D. Young is not at all convincing. He's already shifty. And yeah, back in the day, I used to confuse Cliff D. Young with Tim Stack. They've got the same basic face. Yeah. <laughs> they both used to just wear suits all the damn time. And play somebody's dad. And it's not like you could check IMDb. <laughs> um... See, he's just a simple man. So at this point, Brian Brown had been around for almost 10 years, I think. Yeah. So he put in the work. He put in the work, came over from Australia, did miniseries, and then finally got, because miniseries were very big in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But he then he finally got um, some U.S. leads. Mason Adams is uh, very memorable from this. Mm-hmm. He is not Harry Morgan. He just uh... <laughs> <laughs> he just favors him a lot. Yep. All right. What show was he a regular on back then? Wasn't he from a show? What would he have been on? Let's see. I want to say Trapper John, but I don't think so. Mason Adams, he was a voiceover actor, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Mm. Lou Grant. Okay. Yep. So Lou Grant. Which is sort of one of those forgotten shows. Yeah, Lou Grant. Family. (laughs) Shows like that. Right? Like... We used to have Wilford Brimley in our living room every week. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I feel like anything that had three seasons uh, needs a recap, a cultural recap video. Like, how has there not been a a, a James at 15 reboot or remake? All those damn shows that only lasted, but people say they were so great. All right. So he has agreed. And I believe he Just said to he show has you how 80s this movie is. <laughs> we got the Huey Lewis playing 
which was current at the time, I think. Very current, like literally. He was coming off of Back to the Future and uh You get Huey Lewis with the font. Right, and Huey Lewis. <laughs> Hot commodity around eighty five, eighty six. I don't think. I don't know if FX had a soundtrack release. Well, it has another song. At the end, that one was. Yeah, I don't think it had an actual <laughs> soundtrack, but the, the mid eighties, probably starting with. John Hughes is when the soundtrack phenomenon started. And so, because I mean, Running Scared had a soundtrack album. That was 86, yeah. too. So it's like they, everybody was starting to get into it. Yeah. They were um, learning about the big cross promo. Yep. When you have like the videos with the movie clips or. In the case of St. Elmo's, you had cast members in the videos. And it really worked out for uh, Jewel of the Nile, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, all the movie needed was that one single. And what you call it back to the future was very very instrumental in that okay so it's 3 a.m exercise bike very 80s um and now we've got brian brown making some calls getting some things figured out look at that look at that shot the lines and the Mm -hmm. Sidney Lumet also made a bunch of New York movies. He was another one who kept it going. Yes. Um, and uh, Sidney Pollack. Yes. Right? Tootsie uh, was a big New York yeah, movie. Tootsie was a very big New York movie. That might have actually been the kickoff in the 80s, I would say. It could have. It was 82. Two, yeah. And it just took people 84 Ghostbusters, yeah. etc. Just to make it feasible to make movies on location. And Chicago like became more of a comedic sort of family, mm-hmm. you know, Midwest, very, yes. you know. John Hughes. And Chicago then, was an antidote to L.A. and New York. Mm-hmm. You can see that in something like Midnight Run. Like, just the way it's portrayed. Um, Midnight Run, which takes place in all three places. So, <laughs> we have some prank stirring going on. This is this is important, actually. So, <laughs> set something up for later, because it's a movie from 1986, and they did this kind of thing. Yeah, Dorman's just like, all right, dude. Very rainy in New York. (laughs) 
So this always was weird to me because it's like a few hours later. <laughs> so we've missed what he was working on. Yeah, prior to this. Where they're on their way from. Right. Okay, and so she's now gotten him back for his shenanigans. Like, she wasn't a... She's not a spelling graduate. She is a... I looked, so she did this. She did Legend of Billie Jean. What was the first one she did? Uh, Something else. Um, Recognizable lady stuff. uh, Sort of fell off in the early 90s. But she did after school specials. (laughs) So... She did ABC after school specials. At, at. Okay, so now we have our first sort of twist that could have been used in the trailer. Kind of showing him what he does. Mm-hmm. Nice little Renee Claire poster there on the wall. Some good posters. Melbourne production design. Okay, so at this point, Clifton Young is not going to be happy with Brian Brown. No. He's never going to forgive him for scaring him like this. I think there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 picture on the wall behind them, too. Yeah, he worked on a lot, old Raleigh. <laughs> is that the keep? I think that's the monster from the keep. Hmm. Yes, it is. That is 100% the monster from the keep next to Leatherface. (laughs) Raleigh Tyler was responsible for the keep. (laughs) Told you, he's a busy dude, man. Okay, so introducing our next familiar face... Yes. Mr. Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. We got this nice, nicely edited sequence here. Just. I feel like this was another sort of. 80s mainstream thing is is you had more creative editing like because TV at this point is unrecognizable from TV today in some ways like well I mean yes you had all of your sitcoms at this point were three camera, right? Yeah. And then your dramas, well, you were getting good with your dramas, but they were still a lot more, you know, good or bad, more episodic than TV is today. Mm-hmm. But you still didn't have like, it wasn't, it wasn't, another 10 years before they did 
rapid cuts on TV and just pissed everybody off. Five years, six years, Homicide and NYPD Blue all did rapid cutting and annoyed people. Yeah. All that handheld. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The handheld. Because it wasn't like, uh, (laughs) it's not like today where you can handhold on your phone and it's uh, stabilized back then. Yeah, it's just jiggling. Lots of jiggling. Motion sickness reports, all sorts of things. Here's our Mission Impossible scene. So, Jerry Orbach was basically just a New York gangster until 1995 or whatever. Yeah, till he became a cop <laughs> all of a sudden. <clears throat> he was he was the Don. Yeah. Got a nice, nice walking scene here. (laughs) You know the streets. But I mean, we're 25 minutes in and it's all still set up at this point, right? Like Raleigh's doesn't trust the guy, but you can trust Mason Adams and stuff like that. It's just like, it's all very gradual buildup, which. And everything is just, again, it's almost Hitchcockian. Yeah. The layered, the layered kind of, you know. And it's even sort of longer. Yeah. But there's like North by Northwest-ish stuff in there because there's confusion in there. And then a long lead from Psycho. But it's very Mm. much not like a Hitchcock thriller. So, it's you know, it's like De Palma sort of at this point had shown everyone how you can (laughs) mimic Hitchcock after he's dead. Mimic Hitchcock, yeah. So people were figuring out how not to do that. Is this in a way? It's kind of blowout remixed almost. Mm-hmm. In a way. Blow Just a, you know, an expert at something. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything else kind of like that or no? I don't think so. Like mm. blowout and FX sort of stand alone. Yeah, they kind of they crisscross each other in a way. Where does blowout take place? I think blowout is in New York too. 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, or maybe it's Philadelphia or something. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So now if we there pay attention in the background, we are going to see what's his face? Clifty Young, professional wiener, playing with the gun full of blanks. Uh-huh. He doesn't like Raleigh anymore. So there's one potential twist, but then we've got another one coming. And he's already standing there like. (laughs) I guess he's the obvious one. And then. Mm. Yep. Okay. So now they're attaching the squib radio to Jerry Orbach and turns out pacemaker yeah can't do a he's got a pacemaker so he can't have the radio signals I don't know. It's like Brian Brown never did this part. Like he never did anything quite like Raleigh again. And I feel like he should have let himself do that. Eh, like he eh, cocktail. Okay. Only cocktail, he's sort of well, Brian Brown and <laughs> right. as far as he, he's not, he's a He's a regular old bloke, you know. Okay. I have not seen Cocktail, so. You got to see Cocktail. Uh, I, some, someday. I got to see Titanic, too. I got If not, you know, if you don't see Titanic, see Cocktail. See Cocktail. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I think by about 2000, Brian Brown was back in Australia. But oh yeah, him and uh, his wife Rachel Ward just kind of who was another amazing friggin' actress. But were they married? Really? Oh yeah, they got married. I don't um, know if they were married then, but someday. Yeah, yeah eventually. Aus- they... The Australian invasion was very. It was. I mean, it. <laughs> Brian Brown, Rachel Ward. Uh, you know who. Paul Hogan. Well, no, not Paul. I wasn't thinking of Paul Hogan. Not Mel. Mel? He started it. He's American, though. He was a baby when he went over there. He was playing Australian. (laughs) Until he got back here. It started with him. He stopped being Australian after, what, Lethal Weapon 2? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, he did start it. Speaking and, of lethal and, weapons, at this point, <laughs> in 1986, you didn't have big budget action movies yet. Not really. Lethal Weapon was 87. Die Hard was yeah. 88. Right. Those kicked it off. Yeah. You what didn't you have that yet. Until then was like the only ones representing 
action were actually were Arnold mm-hmm. Sly and Chuck Norris. You know, you did not have legitimate <laughs> or whatever uh, random ninja movie was out. Right, ninja movies. Yeah, those were um, all low budget. But eighty six was like actually the crossover year for sci-fi with the flying aliens. So mm-hmm. that's when people were really starting to like, and because of star Trek four dropped mm, in. That's right. Star Trek, that was a big fucking year for crossover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like FX was at just the right time for people to be interested in this shit. Okay. Um, now this is cool here. <laughs> The wall's going to be lined with Rambo and Code of Silence posters. I will never. Yep. Wow. Jesus. Look at that. I will never forget uh, when I was a kid, the first time I think I went to New York, everything was covered in blob remake posters. Damn. Yep. Like well, that was good, though. Everything. I like that Chuck Russell. Chuck yeah. Russell made some all right movies. Um, one of the few good remakes. Yeah, especially at that at that Around juncture. Noon. Yeah. Um. Okay, so his van has been towed, which is going to introduce a subplot. But first, Raleigh's got a. Get to a phone booth, which is uh, not a thing anymore. Nope. And See, had been a joke Before since 1978 that they were going away in Superman. Uh, yeah. But in the 70s and 80s and probably the 60s, phone booths did a lot of work for movies. A lot of work. All the way, actually, to what? Halloween 666. Yeah. He has a payphone experience. All right. So he's calling Mason Adams because, oh, no, something's got to be up with. What would be, like, the last movie officially that used the modern age payphone or phone booth? But it's a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> My keyboard's too noisy, or I'd, I'd Google for it. But uh, <sighs> okay. So at this point, are we going to trust Mason Adams? Or well, let's let's take a look. <laughs> Thanks to somebody needing to use the phone booth. Exactly. Which could happen in the olden times. Running to get out of the rain under an awning. And Crocodile Dundee, of course, was another big New York movie. 
Oh yeah. Crocodile Dundee, which uh swap posters with Coming to America, which was mm. that was late 80s, but still very much a New York film. Trading Places was too, 83. So it but uh, that Trading Places uh was mostly in Philly. Really? Oh, that's right. Okay, so now the guy's been shot. Mm. And Killer Cops. Tom Noonan. Oh, that's right. It is Tom Noonan. I love Tom Noonan. Hell yeah. And cut to Cliff DeYoung. Establishing that Mason Adams is in on the double cross. <laughs> there we go. Roscoe Orman. Yep. Otherwise known as Willie Dynamite, otherwise known as Gordon from Sesame Street. <laughs> and which isn't <laughs> which doesn't have too many fans these days. <laughs> no, no. Or Sesame Street's got some problems. Let me just say Plaza Sesimo sucks right now. <laughs> okay, so thirty-six minutes in, I think the key's still in the door. It's kind of um, it's kind of interesting how empty they get the streets for the night shots. Mm-hmm. Like they're not worried about showing a class crossing the street on their way back to school or whatever. Like okay, so it's ten oh five p.m. I don't know if the time ever matters in the movie. Mm, not until it's a, not unless it's a movie about having to be somewhere, you know, under a deadline or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy, but. Diane, uh, what, Verona? Verona? Venora. Venora. (laughs) She actually does look like she could have been Natalie Portman's mom. Um, So now she's helping him figure out what might actually be going on with the conspiracy, which is um, a necessary step, but... uh, it's possible they reached the wrong conclusions. Okay. And 
Um, it's a regular morning. Oh, we had a messy night. Mm-hmm. They're just laying it on thick at this point. No spoilers, Mm -hmm. um, but... (laughs) Right. Let's just say if he was was a soldier at war right now, (laughs) he shouldn't be looking at the picture of his girlfriend. Yeah. So there, we're not even, we're almost a minute 40. This could have been a tragedy that triggered the Hulk. <laughs> right? Like, and cut oh, to wow. uh, yeesh. We just killed off the girlfriend. Third build, the girlfriend. So yeah. Wow. 39 minutes in. This is another thing FX was pretty pretty famous for. But even though this happens, he's still very you know, yes, he's, he's ready to get it. Yes, did he ever do like a Australian James Bond thing? Did he ever do spy thrillers? He probably did at least a couple, he should have, yeah. But then again, he probably would have, they probably would have had him play the villain or you know, the lackey or. Something. Okay. So the you know, sniper is coming over. They wouldn't have Daniel Craig them back then. Well, I mean, Pierce Brosnan did about 30 of them, so. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for Bond, the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> years. Okay. Well, he skipped out on that. He had to do Remington Steel. Mm. okay trying to remember this also also establishes Raleigh's um, penchant for hand to hand he's kind of he's more of a uh, he's more of a MacGyver type you know he won't really use a gun had MacGyver come out at this point I think so. 85, I think, yeah. Yeah. So, until, I don't know, probably ER, TV was seen, like anything that was good for TV was seen as bad, like not worth making a movie about, kind of, like... Which is why it took so long for people to 
break out and things like that. Oh, wait. Maybe he does. He's going to have a Batman moment. His ass kicked. Woo. <laughs> the water that uh, what's your face started is now boiling. And that didn't go well. Oh, stunt man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Iron to the head. Iron to the head. All right. So this has been about a five-minute scene, six-minute scene at this point. Like, we're just now about to establish what the rest of the movie is going to be. Oh, is this? Oh, here Finally we go. Finally, we have ah. our other hero, folks. Yep. 44 minutes in, and it is time for the introduction of Brian Dennehy. Dennehy. Who eats... Big year for Dennehy. And Joe Grafasi. What else was 86? The, uh, uh, cocoon. Cocoon was 86? I thought Cocoon was 85. It was it 85? It might have been okay. Yeah. Maybe. Because 85 doesn't have a lot, but I think Cocoon is the one. Okay. Yeah, but you might, yeah, you might be right. Yeah. But yeah, so Brian Dennehy, who uh I think the return away. came out in what? 88, 89. 88. It was like one of those. Yeah, 88 was another light year. Because 89 was the big year. Um, so yes, now the cops are investigating um, Raleigh's apartment. Uh, we have met the boss, but we have not established that that is Brian Denny's boss yet. Uh-uh. He didn't keep the mustache for very long. I think he only used it for these. I don't I think, think he, he did has a couple it in the other ones. One. Does he? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. See. I know he did another movie with it, though. Okay, so now we've got. 1985 technology here. The uh, okay, so they're investigating the dead guy, the mystery guy, the assassin. There's gonna be a big <laughs> setup here. It turns out the assassin's an ex cop.
It's a pretty pretty realistic looking computer stuff. Like it wasn't until the nineties that they started everything started being the end of Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grove Joe Grafasi, who never really got past these kind of parts. No, he never really did. If he wasn't this, he was a sleazy lawyer. And then awkwardly, he cameoed in both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yep. All right. So... We're still with the cops, yeah. Oh, no, we're not. Ryan Brown getting a hot dog. Yeah. We're not. (laughs) Ah, Piano music. BFX theme in piano because he's very sad now. Bill Conti did some really good scores. Oh, yeah. He does this well. The, the... Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. So now it turns out that these guys are talking, and that's the dad from what's it called? Sydney from Raisin, Arizona. Yes, exactly. The other guy's the guy from Raisin, Arizona. And so this is their painted hoof hines. (laughs) This is their straight, this is their not in on it boss or something or is he a cop I think he's a doofus cop yeah but then you get the two of these guys you get it's just like it's such a good script like it's just Ah, uh, Brian Denny. I'll oh, see. He wants the big fish. Yes. And there we go, establishing that that is his his commanding officer too. Yeah. Good old Gordon. <laughs> Look, I got a grouch. 
<laughs> down the street. I'm trying to think. When did having a hard ass, bald, black commanding officer stop? No, when did they stop being the guy from fucking the captain from uh, 48 hours and, and <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. yeah. The loud ass cussing all the damn time. Yeah. Okay, so now we're getting another sort of famous sequence, but it's kind of like it is, but not. It's the boathouse scene from FX, right? Like, it's just, like, really good location shooting with Tom Noonan being menacing in the in the background. Mm-hmm. Noonan, probably the best Frankenstein's monster since... Yep. That's, that's accurate. Karloff did it. I think he got sick of this type of thing because <laughs> he yeah. also did manhunter this year so oh well yeah yeah that's right damn see 86 was big for like the underground like yep what year did die in la come out was that 85 yes i think yes yeah okay so after a while, some of those movies kind of blur. Okay, so now she's giving him a message. It's a complicated thing. And <laughs> instead of it being the setup, instead... Boom. A very fast Brian Brown is going to push a very slow Tom Noonan into the lake. Knocking over a roller skater. But yeah, I mean, it's like... It's not... Hitchcockian, but it's... In a way. In a way it is, but it's also got like a it's, very action beat to it, you know? Like Yeah. It's somewhere in the middle. But this type of chase, this is totally Yeah. Except Hitchcock wasn't doing it on location, which also no. figures in. Okay, so Now we get to one of the film's more awkward, sensitive moments where this is seemingly part of the plan. Because mm. they knew where they were going.
And now she's panicking because she's a girl. <laughs> she's an 80s chick. <laughs> Panicky 80s chick. We've watched huh? something where somebody quit to become an FX artist. One of the female actresses. What the fuck was it? Something huh. early. Yeah. I think it might have been one of the Halloweens. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So now we are going back to Raleigh's, I think. Joe's not in the second one, is he? No. No. Because the second one, I think, is Toronto for New York. Oh. What's confusing about this scene is that they've already that Brian has Brian Denny already been there or no? Brian Denny he no. was not there. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Search warrants. They they weren't a thing. Okay. Got a fade to black and zombie poster back there. <laughs> Fright Night was 85. That was a bit of a crossover. Yeah. This is all especially like uh before something like uh, lost boys kind of yeah changed the image of vampires completely okay and so Brian Denny he just figured out where he's seen that shot pattern before Seems vaguely unlikely, but whatever. As a long shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I would say this would be one of your more sensitive portrayals of people living on the street in the 80s. All right, because it's either it was always one extreme or the other. Yeah. You're either really sad or the bum was comedic, you know, some drunk bum. Or killer. Don't forget the killer bum. Yeah, or a killer, yeah. <laughs> Down on Skid Row. See, they're the bumps from Scrooge. <laughs> so long since I've seen Scrooge. They keep calling. They keep calling Bill Murray Richard Burton. 
Come on, Dick. But wait, who's that? It's Brian Brown with the Fagin nose. It's <laughs> Gerard Butler. <laughs> All right, back to the records room because. Brian Dennehy knows that computers are useful and not too scary. And he's got lots of chemistry with this supporting cast member. Mm -hmm. Okay. Trying to think, I mean, like a lot of time in this is spent on the investigation, right? Like Brian Dennehy's going to be figuring out what's actually going on while Brian Brown is trying to avoid yeah, and resolve his situation. So it's like, it's not the traditional... It's not a team up. No. Quite. It's not a buddy picture. No. It's it's not the buddy picture people would have uh but again it, it's it's the you know the theme of the movie. Okay. So now they're going to figure out that Wow. The FBI put the guy into the witness protection program. <laughs> what I love about this is it looks like a shitty government office waiting area. Like, it's tiny. <laughs> Fake plants, like, just looks hellish. <laughs> You see when Dennehy stood up, like, oh yeah, half the room got small. Yep. <laughs> Dennehy did a really good Law and Order before he passed. Guest star. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was one of those where like he literally was like the episode. Yep. Yeah, he uh he's underappreciated for sure. I think it was it was I think it was done before Maloney left too, so uh -huh. He's got a notepad on his desk. I'm like, the thing looks like a phone. <laughs> Old timey radio is right. That 
I can't remember. Radio. 86. What was the first movie that introduced the disappearing office trope? Like empty office. It must have been earlier than that because there's a fucking Venus comic from the early 50s where that happens. But I feel like in the <laughs> 80s there was a big there's some movie that had a big trope where they go to the office and everything's been moved out. Uh, I could be entirely wrong. No, there there was. I just can't remember which one yeah. it was. Other than um, the part in the warehouse from nine to five where all the shit was moved. But yeah, no, no, it was like conspiracy thing, I think. Yeah. But I know what you mean. It like yeah. it, I've seen that in something. <laughs> All right. So cops can't figure it out. We've got a timeline now. They're getting out of here tonight. Brian Denny thinks it's bullshit. Yeah. It's kind of weird that, I mean, yes, they made an FX2, but they didn't bring back Joe Grafasi, right? Like, it, no. wasn't, it wasn't a sequel to what made this one popular. It makes it interesting when you think about how Running Scared, of course, never got its sequel. God damn it. Yep. And it also Somebody was us still running, yep. okay? Uh, even if we have to go get Young Gregory Hines from back in time. <laughs> All right, so now Raleigh's calling in. Oh, look at Clifty Young. He's got a phone cradle. Mm, if ain't nothing 80s in this movie. <laughs> wow. Got to check his gun because it's, it's that scene. But he likes Nixon. Is that J. Edgar Hoover? And then he's got a spaceship. Because he is a wiener. (gasps) (laughs) Calling from a payphone. Get down those stairs. Why don't they have an elevator? But... He's got a particular set of skills. <sighs> you know, FX one actually could have been a nineties thriller.
Yeah. Somebody else would have played Brian Brown's part. It would have yeah. been like, I don't know, Tom Cruise. Because in a way, this is kind of like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Just very, 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 you know, low tier. Okay, so well, <laughs> we've got exceptional trust in its audience because I think they're t- yeah they're talking about the first case, uh-huh. the first thing they looked up on the computer, not the second. So it's like yeah i mean like they're set up to be very cute together and it's just like Uh for a while it does seem like the movie's gonna head to a different conclusion. Uh, we can talk about that when we get there. It's going in a lot of directions right now, though. Yeah, you kind of wonder how this shit is gonna wrap up because you've got the two things separate, right? Like, yeah, everything's still because we're following Brian Dennehy, but then we're more following Mason Adams and Clifty Young. So it can be a surprise when Brian Brown fucks with him. So, like, it's a very interesting setup. Okay, so this scene, isn't there a scene just like this in To Live and Die in L.A.? I don't doubt it. Obviously not in New York, but (laughs) this other, this is another infamous scene. There is an old hobo with a shotgun. Uh. Uh. Yep, she's been in. <laughs> <laughs> she See, it's trunk all the way to yeah. fuck out. <laughs> yep, she's been in. <laughs> <She's just> like... You better taking care of her at the end. Like <laughs> she, she does a lot of shit for damn. Just for his, being his intern, you know, like yeah. They did this in the Mac. Only they put a bunch of rats in the trunk with the dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yep. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> the damage is just, you know, changes oh, yeah. from shot to shot. <laughs> hey, so do we see do you see his name plate? His name isn't Edward S. Mason, it's Edwards Mason. Like <laughs> he sounds like a villain. Yeah. Well, she just told me that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is kind of where... Brandon, he like the investigation art completely starts changing here. <laughs> now, this guy, he was another, he played a sheriff in something else too, right? I think so, yeah. I can't. <laughs> so we've like given up on uh, the police he's procedural. A loose cannon. Yep, and now we're doing a loose cannon. Now he hasn't uh he hasn't thrown his badge in yet. Nope. Now yeah, that's coming after this because the van got impounded forever ago, and we are finally getting to that part of this quest. Mm-hmm. And Joe Grafasi, shit, I think he actually pulls up as they're pulling out. So it's not it's not like he got down there in record time. Uh-uh. Calling out to the mansion, this guy who has played a villain in something else for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, we do have a timetable. Yep. Yep. It's Three hours, I think that means that Raleigh's going to make record time getting there from the city and cutting through that. Yep, and then so (laughs) Joe Grafasi's stuck in traffic. So 
John Polito plays the Joe Grafasi part in Highlander, which is interesting. <laughs> All right. Wasn't Armed and Dangerous 86? Or was it 88? Yeah. Yeah, it was 86. It has a big impound lot sequence, I think. Uh, no? No, but uh, Moving Violations does. I think that was, that might have been 85. I want to say that was 86, though. Yeah, it was kind of like people were discovering how to do tropes better. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, um, you know, Commando in the sequence where he breaks into the, the weaponry store. Right. Because, you know, you would then hire, you, when people had to figure this stuff out, it was a lot different than when people just had to figure out how to fucking do the CG, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, when they do CG, just use fire to cover everything. <laughs> And oh, that had to have been in the trailer. <laughs> the brothers are fired. <laughs> <laughs> Right, a little bit of an action cue here. Sadly, I don't think there was ever an FX Matchbox or Hot Wheels. Though I bet you can fucking buy you know, a custom on there Etsy. Might, there might actually be one now, though. Oh yeah, they did There's, do that movie series thing, right? Yeah, and they did some of the most obscure fucking yeah. cars. I like how Joker Foss's pinky ring is so big it's affecting <laughs> it was affecting how he's holding this thing. This sequence <laughs> for years <laughs> was used as a, a, a car insurance commercial. For some local uh, insurance joint out here. Uh, World Trade Center is a little bit further than it was before. But this is like, a, this is another really memorable sequence, right? Like. Yeah. Well, this was, um, you know, how all the movies had to have a chase sequence. Yep. 
anything after Beverly Hills Cop had to have something like this. Yep. Okay, this is it. All these clips here. <laughs> oh, that stun driver does not look like Joe Grafasi. <laughs> no. At all. <laughs> I don't know how like realistic geographically this chasing oh wow that's not even the same stunt driver as before no. um, geographically cardiographically accurate this chase sequence it is but it has like a a sense of being like real, like it's a yeah, everything's in the way. <laughs> and how that big truck got through all of that, right? Raleigh's used to driving on the outback, man. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, anyway. We've got a driving on the sidewalk sequence. Well, you know, it's not as bad as uh Oh shit, we had one weekend of Bernie's too. Right? Yeah, that was really I mean, because driving on the sidewalk sequences are hallmarks of TV bad TV shows with good action budgets and mm-hmm. movies willing to fucking do it. Like of course, uh, geographically speaking, though, <laughs> with Mark for Death, oh, which yeah. um, took place in Chicago, <laughs> but had blatant fucking palm trees in the background. <laughs> Whoa. See, they even gave him an old shoot. Yep. Even though this is a oh, rated yeah. R film. I use that shit. Yeah, but that's still tame for R, you know, at this point, 86. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. R was completely fucked. <sighs> yeah. I wonder, I mean, the whole language thing in the 80s is a whole other thing. Like, this is just a weird R. Yeah. It's a definitely could have been PG 13 if they'd cut it down a little. Yeah, it's. And this was more. Oh, here we go. Yep. Exit Andy. See, that's kind of the problem with the R and PG-13 is is there needs... I don't know if there needs to be something in between, but... It's kind of weird, like... Because this is a very, very watered-down R. Yeah. 
think it was more because of the audience they were trying to pull. Because we didn't yeah. even have any actual nudity. No. Uh, Gordon has a picture of himself on his desk. Do you see that? I love that. Well, no, that's <laughs> it's a picture of his twin brother, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that picture. <laughs> one of his publicity stills for fx right like... <laughs> see roscoe orman this summer in fx he's a great boss um i don't know should we do stakeouts well there's two of them i yeah. just Rosie O'Donnell, though, you know? Yeah, you got your Rosie O'Donnells. <laughs> Roscoe Orman has appeared in uh, Law and Order, too. That's how you know it's really filmed in New York. They employ all the actors in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lou Gossett ever played the captain until it was a bad project, which is unfortunate. Mm. Like, I'm sure he did it at some, I don't know, when would he have done it? Like in the early 2000s? Like, well, after Chappie, he was just specifically yeah, that's true. mentor guy. Yeah, he couldn't go back to being, you know, you were either that or a, a, you know, dignified judge or a. Yeah. I mean, even in the uh, the principal, he was just kind of, he was chappy in that. <laughs> so Brian Denny's cop arc has turned from an investigatorial into a he's lost his job arc like it's just such a weird fucking yeah god he's so posed in that picture god damn mm -hmm. <laughs> you see that shit yep. <laughs> and the picture's from a downward angle, right? Like, it's yeah, clearly it's like, a publicity <laughs> shot. <laughs> and now, punchline. Womp, womp, womp. See, we just heard Gordon curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see that? Deception. Yeah, he got his bad switch. Nice on location driving shot in New York. This is this is serious. <laughs> okay, so 26 minutes or one hour, 26 minutes. The movie runs 108, and this is they're basically not leaving here the rest of the movie. So yeah, this is it. This is the uh this is the come down here. 
and I mean, Terminator had a Terminator also at the time an Orion release, I believe. Oh and yeah, Dale pictures yeah. through Orion. Um, Terminator had a sort of extended conclusion too, right? Like, and so there were what. You know, there was a chase sequence. Then there was, but it's all pretty. They, we blew up the right? truck. Yeah, 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 like from from when they from when they leave the ho the motel. Yeah. From it's that pretty, point on, it's yeah. it's a chase picture. Right, and so it's like we were starting to get that kind of thing, which had sort of taken. I don't know, the mid, the, you know, once Jaws hit everything, well, I mean, Jaws, of course, is not that great of an example. Disaster movies had a certain way of doing things because you had the built-in thing, right? You were building to the greatest disaster. Yeah. So that was kind of built in for them. And they, in the 80s, we people started figuring that shit out from the genre, which they'd also been doing in the fucking horror movies. And so the 80s is when everything started to synthesize, basically, only it took a long time for it actually to shake out. Because we had to get through CGI growing pains. Haven't you read it? Pennywise, you've come for me. Boom. (laughs) Okay, so who's alive in the house? We got Tom Noonan, we got Jerry Orbach, Mason Adams, and I think Clifty... No, because Clifty Young's in the trunk somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mason Adams becomes a boss boss <laughs> at this point. <laughs> mm. I don't know what's sort of the last 108 minute really impressive thriller it's been a minute because now everybody does heist movies no and when they do that it's on a bigger like it's gotta be some fast and furious shit right like Like the damn Italian job. Oh, God. That fucking... That fucking sucked. (laughs) 
think even now you couldn't do that because you couldn't you couldn't assemble a cast of actors who no everybody wants to get two and a half franchises together to uh, do a team up movie everybody's got to get paid everybody needs that screen time and all right so Now we're going to get some tricks that the audience isn't in on. Even though we've seen uh, Raleigh set things up. So this is sort of a change in approach here. Which is a really impressive thing the script does. Like coming up with these, these gimmick, these gags. And... I don't know what the remote control sound thing, what application that would have in special effects. Like, I guess, but you would just loop the sound in, like... Yeah. He's too tall, man. Right. He almost... Had to duck under that door doorway. I feel like this had its network premiere relatively early. Still played on cable. But well, it had a long run on cable, I think. This is one of those when it came on TV, it premiered on like 32 or some shit. Really? Yeah. So? Be, yeah. Nah, this this wasn't a big network. I mean, if there was a network, it was likely CBS. Mm. If it was a big one, you know. Yeah. Oh. And down goes Tom Noonan. See, no yep. guns. Raleigh uses no guns. Did they get machine guns? They might get machine guns. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. He's got his say hello to my little friend. <laughs> New York State Police. Even though you could probably film this anywhere. <laughs> Should have listened to, to Brian Denny pretend to be Gordon. <laughs> so now Raleigh has a machine gun. 
Now I have a machine gun too. Oh, oh, oh. Does the is there a helicopter that shows up? No, I, I remember this. Okay. This, this yeah. is fucking awesome. Yep. We couldn't have got him though. Yeah, there's yeah, a helicopter. There we go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> He's got a pacemaker. He got put the down by a Ghostbuster special effect. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh. Edwards has just screwed over Jerry Orbach, uh, who flinched when the cross Orbach. hit him, I think. <laughs> so now we've got a standoff out front. Uh. I wonder if the second one's going to do a Raleigh, did Raleigh die surprise? Mm. Okay. So now Mason is going to explain the whole idea to Raleigh that they need to go to this safety deposit box and only Mason can get the money out because he's on the it's either him or Jerry Orbach, and Jerry Orbach's dead. So what's he going to do? So what did Raleigh do to the gun? He... Oh, we got to establish that there are no bullets. <laughs> Super glue commercials of the 80s. Excellent. Yep. And... It's a mistake. Oh. <laughs> what did he look black when he walked out? <laughs> Damn. 
And there's dead Raleigh, but I'm so confused. I thought Raleigh was just alive. See, they don't even like cross paths at all until right. This it's point the, of the movie. strangest not buddy buddy picture, right? Like yeah. But then in the second one, they're like, hey, pals. Kind of. Trivia, I think, says that Brian Denny still doesn't show up for 36 minutes or something. Oh, shit. Because it's got Rachel Ticketon. Yeah, it's a Rachel Ticketon vehicle. God, that's a name I haven't heard in forever. I liked her. Yeah, she was good. All right, so Brandon, he's upset, walking away from the scene. His nemesis was killed. He got no closure with Raleigh. Cut to the gates where uh huh. Got his toss in the badge <laughs> moment. Fuck that shit. Yeah, fuck the fuck the police. I'm done with it. Okay, does he see the van and then he gets clued in, or did we actually think he drives away? Yeah, there's the van. Yeah. Okay, so he Here just drives go. away. Yep. body bag scene was there one in spies like us Mm. wasn't there one in some comedy yeah there was one in a comedy ah look at that yeah fake neck Good thing they didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Make any loud noises around him. Okay, fake wrist too. Uh-huh. Very lucky that the state police are so incompetent. Yeah, this Don Knotts walking up here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I can't get out though. Oh, there he goes. And ah. <laughs> no, Brian Brown would have been a perfect Captain Boomerang. 
Damn. Okay. Even for the TV show back then. So we're in a safe deposit box. We're getting some shit. Oh, that's right. Yep. Almost forgot about this part. We just entirely cut to this because they wanted to go to Geneva or something. <laughs> Where well, the hell they filmed that shot? This is uh, kind of internationally funded, so they could afford to do it. <laughs> Right, but is it Jerry Orbach? It is not. Oh, turns out Raleigh kept the molds. <laughs> All right, we're buddies now. Now we're buddies, and it's the 80s, so you need to cue a pop song. Oh. And hey. nice crane shot, followed by. All right. All this, uh, <laughs> this footage. <laughs> Not just this stuff, this outtake stuff, but like. No, this is still. There's a lot of footage. Yeah. Here. Like <laughs> like travel log footage. <laughs> uh, we really went to Geneva. And now we get cast flashback without the cast names. <laughs> right. Hey, see it's just a movie. well it's funny because like there are clearly outtakes and then there are clearly not outtakes yeah some of them are just (laughs) some of them are like so they weren't any fun is that what you're trying to say and where was gordon he should have been the they should have had one they should have had him second to last okay and now they just stopped to admire the view. Yep. This is not a special effect. <laughs> hey. I mean, this is practically like a James Bond finish. Kind of. Because now we're... <laughs> right, we're the... F- <laughs> This is after they go into the mountains, obviously, into the snow. <laughs> and this is. Whoa. Yep. IMAX footage. Right? <laughs> We're going to tie into Highlander. That's the rock that um, <laughs> they climbed up to to do their sword spinning. 
That is a weird, yeah, because I mean, the, the last two shots have nothing to do with it anymore. No. So, yeah, maybe they had some additional footage to use up. Now, bringing this kind of to a close in a way, <laughs> uh, there was briefly in the early 90s, uh, FX TV show. That's right. Syndicated show. Um, neither Brian's appeared in it, I don't nope. think. Nope. Uh, I can't even but remember. It was who. Raleigh. It was. Yeah, it was supposed the to be Raleigh. His name was Raleigh Yo. Tyler. Yeah. I just have no idea. Like, I couldn't tell you what any episodes no. or anything of that shit. No, it was. It was I feel like it might have been Canadian and unashamedly. So, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's what most of those, you know, those weekend. <laughs> there's never a better time to watch the syndicated weekend shows. There's never yeah. a better time to watch a show than 3 30 on 3 30 to 4 30 on a fucking Saturday. Saturday right? afternoon, like, yeah. <laughs> Well, Ron Van Cleef got a well mm. got a special thanks. FX with nineteen eighty five copyright. So yeah, doop, doop, doop. FX is a good one. Like yeah, yeah. Like I feel like it's not geeky enough about it's not like accurately geeky enough about the fx for it to appeal today to no. somebody like i don't know if there's anything that is accurate like is there some tv fucking mini is there a nine episode mini series about the making of the thing uh, uh, uh. Which, not that i know of not that i not that i joke about it i'd actually watch that show uh i'm not gonna watch the godfather one but i would watch a Nine-part fucking docudrama about the making of the thing. Um, yeah, so FX, good, good movie. Check it out. I think Very it's, good entertainment. Yeah, I think it's it, been it's on not, Tubi before. It, it's one of those. I know it uncaught it on. Uh, you know they played once it did the cable run and everything. Uh, when a channel like Channel Fifty got a hold of it, <laughs> like. There's your Saturday afternoon yeah, right there. I mean, you, you could know. you were programming it against, especially once there was a sequel and like somebody else could be airing the sequel and you air. Yeah, I mean, it was it was always on. Like it was a mm. just trying to think. It wasn't by the late nineties, but in the early nineties, it was pretty reliably on. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it you know when syndication didn't have it. They just kind of it came back home to cable because I remember, gosh, seeing it in the late nineties on like HBO or some shit. Yeah, I mean, it was for a while. It was a modern classic, right? Like, yeah, people liked the, it. Yeah, of the diehard sort of it was, vein. It was one of those everybody didn't hear of it, but yeah, people heard of it. You know, yeah, it was above Manhunter, which was another one of those. 
but I would say probably below Married to the Mob, which was also one of them. It was just like, uh, <laughs> it was just a, it was just a, you just, good it was a good period for discovering things, right? Like there was stuff yeah. out there still. And it's like, this is for when you don't want to have to deal with, uh, you know, other sort of focused shit. I don't, I don't I can't really explain it, but like, you can always go to FX and it's not trying to be. Yeah, it's this a, or that. It's very straight to the point, even though it's it's got a hook, but it, it's not, you know, if you stay with it, you're, you know, you're really into it. Yeah. You know? I mean, they take their damn time setting it up and it's worth it. Like, right, exactly. It's one of those where. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can't remember if the sequel does so well at this. I do know that the sequel was kind of watered down. Sequel, yes, was intentionally watered down to make a PG-13. And I think, even though I thought it took place in Canada, I think it just is Toronto, New York. So, yeah. So we've got that to look forward to. But I I mean, I remember it's fine. Like, it's not... Right, it's not 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 offensively bad. But it's like... We're not not falling from like... uh, Mannequin to mannequin two, right? <laughs> like Bernie's, like Bernie's or Bernie's two, right? Yeah, we're not take Teen Wolf. We're not taking right. <laughs> all of our fucking movies. Yes, There's no this heavy actually, tone shift. What else have we done? As far as duologies, I think yeah. that was all of them. Okay, so yes, <laughs> everything we did, the sequel has been shit. Yes, so, so right, far, yep. So this. This the might actually be the one yes, where the sequel is sort of shit. It just won't be as good as the first one, right? Right, like, exactly. There'll be some asterisks about its film locations and such, but like, <laughs> no, it's uh, anywhereica, <laughs> anywhereica, USA. Raleigh falls for a single mom with an adorable son who thinks he's really cool, and I don't yeah. know, cute sequel, right? Like. Uh, so that'll be next time yes and, uh, yep and we'll figure out what we're doing after these after that and oh um, before we go though yes uh, this is our 50th video this is, is our really? 50th yes how can it if, if not the one before it but we, we are we're up there now. but we've been doing them weekly we did a couple where we did two a week Mm-hmm. Is that how time works? So yes. Um, also, on that note, uh, you might have noticed that there are watch-along versions now, uh, with uh, <clears throat> stills from the film to to show you where we're at. Yeah, and, give you little uh, visuals. Yes, and um, yeah, so cool. I didn't realize it's been that long since I saw. Halloween kills again. It seems like just yesterday. Seems like just yesterday. Yeah. And we're not about to segue into Halloween ends. So nope, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. We're not doing that yet. I got I got some ideas mm-hmm. for when we gotta do threequels to or to finish things up, like but we have some time. So um yep. Thank you for listening and CFX if you haven't seen it yet. That's right, y'all. Go see FX or watch it with us. Play it again. (laughs) (laughs) Night, y'all.